When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 441 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and usually it's Paul Levan that has to deal with the European disappointment, but this time, the honor goes to Rafa Albemui. Rafa! Hey. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for taking your lumps with me. I'm excited. I'm excited that you're excited to take these lumps. Hey, I, I was always taught to look at the glass half full, and today, I will be the spiritual leader of this podcast, and bring positivity and energy to every cooler that is about to watch this episode. See, I'm always, I feel like I'm doing the same thing when I'm writing up my notes and I make my rundowns and I make the cover art and I do the edits, but then the stuff comes out after these disappointments and then I get the comments and then I, I see the numbers in the next few weeks and it's like, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. So as we said, as far as where to begin with this match and of course a two, one loss to Manchester United, yeah, I'm always with these matches caught between two minds, right? It's that because the big narrative here and the only narrative is that Barcelona have failed again against a European giant in Europe. Europa League, Champions League, doesn't matter. They failed again in Europe, which they've done for close to a decade now. And that's a big thing. That's a big picture thing. That's what we're disappointed about. But correct. I, I'm, t- I'm going to be totally with you. And I think I just want to establish that first, that there is disappointment about that big picture, that big idea. But all that said, I can make a million excuses if you'd like. And I think for this match, as you're going to hear, I'm going to say what's wrong, why Barcelona didn't win, why they could have won, the disappointing parts of this individual 90 minutes. But again, big picture things. You and I are not calling for Xavi's head. 
because I, I mean, I can't possibly do that. As I said before, it feels like an excuse, but it's a big enough excuse. When your club basically spends itself almost into bankruptcy and you've got to find your way out, that means that the 12 to 14 players that your manager can trust and does tr- truly trust, uh, trust to be high quality players, that being when Araujo and Christensen are unfit in Champions League, Barcelona knocked out of the competition. You're missing Pedri, you're missing Gabi, you're, get, you're missing Dembele. With those two different competitions, Champions League then and Europa League now, those five players missing for those matches are enough for me to say no. I mean, it, maybe one of them, you're supposed to be able to overcome that, of course. Maybe even two of them, you can overcome that. But the way Manchester United should be treated like the, a European giant, even they're in Europa League, the way that they're playing right now, the way they're in form, the way Marcus Radford came in this, this tie as the hottest striker in all of football at the moment, truly, as far as you know, goal contributions and things like that since the World Cup break, hottest striker in all of football. So for you not to have, again, all of Dembele and Gabi and, and Pedri, the team just, they valiantly tried to survive that, but it just wasn't enough. And again, I can say that in the same breath that I should say Barcelona are still and should be expected to have hung on to that one nothing lead that they had. They played well enough for 45 minutes where I said, hey, this team is good enough to get this result here. And then when we're finished with 90 minutes, you, you understand that the depth is not there and they're just not good enough. As far as this game is concerned, I think it's 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 appropriate to obviously mention that we weren't we were without Pedri, without Gavi, and without Dembele, who all three of them are essential to what we want to do. Mm-hmm. As far as, as as the game goes, I, I think we can obviously I'm I'm not calling for Xavi's head whatsoever. I do think that it's it's good to analyze and critique maybe his options. I know he didn't have that many, but I do think the insertion of Sergi Roberto at the end of the day, it's something that to me, it's, it's, it's almost a little bit mind boggling that we're talking about Sergi Roberto starting an important European game in 2023. Still, I don't mind whatsoever seeing a guy like him being on the team, uh, having a salary, like really low salary and whatnot. But if for what he did, and then I'm going to talk about the bigger picture, and that's where I'm going to bring like the power of positivity for everyone on this podcast. But concerning the game, I, I, you can't tell me, and I'm not—I I don't mean you, Dan, specifically, but in general—that what Sergi Roberto did, like Ferran could have done that at the same time. Like what, to me, it's almost—it's a shame that love, like. We got Robert Lewandowski, and it's clear that he's had a dip in form after the World Cup. I get it. But at the same time, he's a player that needs to be provided in order for him to then finish his chances because he's one of the best, if not the best in the world, at that. So if we're not going to create an environment, and now I'm talking a little bit more about this 4-4-2 and whatnot, if we're not going to create a little an environment to make the best out of having Robert Lewandowski that's like getting him balls from the right from the left from the middle if we're gonna then be a little bit more conservative because if we if you play Sergi Roberto instead of Ferran you're being conservative and to me that then we want to surround Busquets with players so that he doesn't get exposed at his age coming back from an ankle injury which I completely get so then it's it's a matter of like pick your poison who do you want to, in my opinion, try and like help Busquets out or help Lewandowski out? So yeah. it, it's it's something that I'm just putting it out there. It's not that it's wow, I'm super I, mad. 
Well, I do want to, I actually want to do push back on that a little bit because I think the question that, that, to that is not whether or not you want to help out Lewandowski or, or Bruce Guest, because I agree with your sentiment about that, but it's a matter of when do you want to help them? Because the great irony is that, and I wrote about the three options I thought Xavi had. And my third option of the three was that four midfield combination that we saw today to start. I didn't think that's what we were going to see. Because again, conventional wisdom would be that Baron Torres, even on the left, had come off a good performance against Cadiz. You'd want him to start to support Lewandowski. And if you're asking him to play as an inside forward, almost making him that fourth midfielder, you know that Baron Torres can kind of do that to good enough effect. It was just a matter of defensively, as you mentioned, you're not going to get the same protection for Busquets. But again, the irony there is that Barcelona, with that starting lineup, were up one nothing and were the better side, right? It's that when you put on those additional attackers, and again, this is not Ferran Torres or even Ansu when he came on late, but Barcelona came out in that second half and got punched in the mouth in a way that, regardless of that starting lineup in the first 45 minutes, that may have happened for XYZ reason, right? And we're going to try to figure that out. But I think the starting lineup, as far as taking control of that game at Old Trafford, kind of taking some of the wind out of the United Sales, I think Barcelona did that really well. And while it, in hindsight, you know, I agree with you that I didn't think that that was the right lineup that he should have gone with to get on the front foot. And, he, and they didn't because Manchester United did get the first shot of that game in the third minute against Ter Stegen. But somehow Barcelona did settle down. They figured everything out. And another thing where I'm defending Xavi on his lineup to start was that, to your point, Busquets got one foot wrong, and that was on that first goal. But it wasn't just Busquets. It was, what, Rafinha, Kessie, Koundé, yeah. around like five different players had a chance to clear that, and they didn't. So Busquets gets one foot wrong that entire match. One foot. And that's the one we remember, of course, on the first goal. But he was, that being Busquets, so good in that first half. And Frankie de Jong was the best player, arguably the best player on the field for either team in that first half as well. So if you're getting the best out of de Jong and Busquets, you are going to, again, just kind of pray to the football gods and say, hey, Kessie, can you please just, you don't have to be Pedri, just give us like 80% of what Pedri does. And Roberto, can you give us like 85% of what Gabi does? Because I, I said it in the five headlines, and I'll argue it again here, because I do kind of want to do the Roberto-Kessie thing because I have a whole thing on them. But I don't think if you replace Kessie with Gabi in that game, I think Barca might still lose 2-1 with that switch. If you just ask Gabi to be the right interior in that system and set him up there, you might get a similar result. I think Kessie was that was close enough to what Gabi gives you at the same spot as a high right interior that, again, maybe things happen the same way. But if you replace Gabi with Roberto as the left interior, I think Barcelona win that match. And if you replace Kessie with Pedri as the right interior, I think Barcelona win that match. Does, does that make sense? Like that's the yeah. talking about positionally here that I thought Kessie was good enough, but he wasn't the quality of Pedri in the same role asked to the same job. And again, I think Roberto did somewhat of what Gabi does, but as you mentioned, it wasn't. And I think the, the image that is going to be burned into my mind, the way that Dembele missing against Liverpool all those years ago is, is that is seeing that replay from behind the Manchester United goal of Roberto and going, I mean, we watched it live. The ball was bouncing. But does Gabi finish that? Does Gabi bring that down better and finish that ball the way that Roberto should have? And then on the other side, does Kessier, does he get a better touch on that ball to bring himself back inside as opposed to Tosa towards the goal line? Does he bring himself with a touch back closer? And does he finish that chance? Because Roberto and Kessie both had the opportunity. And those are both moments I mean, within a second of each other where I go, Pedro and Gabi probably get that. And, and those are that's what Europe is though, right? And I, I think I want to lead you into your 
yeah, I guess we'll put a pin on Alberto and Kessie. We'll get back to this, but I want to kind of lead you back into your, you know, silver lining as to like why it's not so bad, big picture stuff. Because when you're talking about this game in particular, you are talking about the difference between Gabi and Pedri and Kessie and Roberto. And you are talking about one or two positions and the slim margins of quality that existed in those positions where the players who substituted for them didn't do every, anything wrong, but they didn't go and win the game the way that those players might have. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the ugly truth. Like, There's nothing more that I, I would have loved to say in this podcast, on Twitter, on my YouTube channel, to like everyone. I was like, 
yeah, let's go out. We gotta, we're Barcelona. We gotta win every competition. And but, but then you gotta look at reality. And in my opinion, the drop of quality from the starters to the their replacements is a very, it's very big at the moment. We saw it. Sadly, the reason we're we were playing in the Europa League is because of that difference in quality. In our defense, we saw that during the group stage. Sadly, Araujo got injured, Crisensen got injured, Kunde got injured, and then who had to play? Eric, Marcos Alonso, and PK and Sergi Roberto. And we know that our starting defense can go toe to toe with almost everyone. But if one or two, and worst case, three, get injured, then it's a whole different ballgame. And that defense that has to come in isn't nearly as good as the starters. And now, sadly, we saw something of that kind, but with the midfield. Busquets, even though he had a great first half, we got up like he was coming back from an ankle injury. A 34-year-old Sergio Busquets, who to begin with, like his pace and movement, like that's not his, was never his forte. And now we got a 34-year-old Sergio Busquets coming back from an ankle injury. Pedri, injured in the first leg, can't play in, at Old Trafford. Gabi, suspended for the second leg, uh, second leg at Old Trafford. So the, the, what happened to us in the group stage of the Champions League with our defense kind of happened with our midfield for this tie. And what, like the, the power of positivity that I want to bring into this is that for you, sadly, the way the Europa League works, when you get bounced from the group stage of the Champions League, you don't even go straight to the round of 16. This is a round of 32, if I'm not mistaken. So in order for you to get to a hypothetical final, you got to play eight games, eight tough European games, though you get fatigue, injuries, and whatnot. And sadly, we saw that on the in the first leg. Pedri got injured. And it's not like, and he's out for what, three, three weeks or a month. So I don't think that Barcelona have quality in their depth because I do think Barcelona at number wise do have depth, but I don't think there's great quality that the, the drop of quality from the starters to the bench, especially defense and midfield. I think it's, it's very steep. So my worry was that, yeah, okay, oh, let's go out and let's win the Europa League. Let's be United and whatnot. Yeah, we beat United. And then we're not even in the semifinal. We're in the round of 16. And we got a tough semifinal matchup against Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey, which I think Eric Cule wants to win. Yeah. We still, I know we're in first place and we're eight points ahead of Real Madrid, but that's like that can go out in a breeze because, let's say, Almeria. We're facing Almeria on Sunday. Almeria are bat battling for relegation, and that's an away game. And yeah. if we know something about relegation teams playing at their stadium in that second part of the season – They're going to fight. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, so but they also, wait, wait, wait. But they also just came off a 6-1 loss to Girona. If you're FC Barcelona, I need you to be mad. I need you to be a little mad. Like, I like Ansu, I, I'm like, I'm not saying I expect five goals from Ansu, but if I'm Ansu Fati, I'm going, Girona put six behind, behind like, past Ameria. Like, I, I just like... You, you would hope I, so. I, I do have, agree. You have to. You have to get there. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that part. You would hope so. But at the end of the day, my worry with us getting farther and farther into the Europa League if we had beaten Manchester United is that fatigue and injuries tend to add up. And then I don't think we got quality in our in our subs so yeah. to make up for that. So 
hopefully Araujo is fine. Like Xavi said in the press conference that it was a knock, that it was like fatigue around the same area that he had the surgery on. And then Araujo said, uh, I think it was to watch the TV or the uh, the, tele the television rights holders. He said that, again, like he was not noticing fatigue in that area. And let me remind you, like during the Super Cup, there was a like worry that Araujo had fatigue and whatnot, and he still played through it and Ooh. has been playing throughout, like through with that fatigue. So if we had kept on in the Europa League, It would have been fine and Danny like, oh my God, we beat Manchester United, whatever. But we got to be realistic. Like, if our top defense isn't there, we will suffer with the likes of Marcos Alonso, Sergi Roberto, and Eric Garcia. And that's my biggest worry. Yeah. Now, it's it's a tough pill to swallow because, like, you don't want to lose to Manchester United at yeah. Old Trafford. And, and I get that. And then Real Madrid fans making fun of you. I get that. But I think if We go, and next week, we Real Madrid in the first leg of the Copa del Rey semifinal. I and I don't want to say this will be forgotten, but I don't think this will be like, oh, my God. I, th I think the failure was getting bounced from the group stage of the Champions yeah, yeah, League, that was it. not yeah. getting bounced from the round of 32 in the Europa League against... Well, United. yeah, I, I, I definitely can agree with that because, like, let's say Arsenal next round. If Barcelona lose in the round of 16 against Arsenal... I mean, you're really, what, what are you losing out on having lost a round earlier? You're legitimately only losing out one European gate revenue night, right? You're losing out on the, the gate revenue of 90,000, which again, for Barcelona, every, every dollar counts. <laughs> they can keep themselves out of the scandal for like two seconds. But yeah, I mean, to, to all of your points, like I, I definitely can find ways where, the, and, and to not to say, oh, you know, back in my day, you'd, you'd celebrate La Liga. But if you are a Kool-Aid long enough, you're, you learn to celebrate the La Ligas and the Copa del Reyes. And you do understand that the Barcelona were, they were, they, they were on top of the world. They were spoiled for a little bit of time when the, the you know, trophies kind of lost their luster a little bit because there were so many of them and the biggest ones were coming in and the Liga is going to matter. And, you know, there's a, a Tifo football had a, a great thing about Barcelona because again, they're, you know, as much as I, I do enjoy them and they're, they're smart people, it's also European, I mean, uh, English punditry. So it was a lot of the idea that, you know, this, the number that Kool-Aid should be afraid of in La Liga is that, a lot of the expected goals, like Barcelona and Real Madrid have similar defensive expected goals. But Barcelona have, as you know, conceded an historical or lack of there, lack thereof, where it is not sustainable. Like as lucky and good as they've been, they can even get a few more a month or two out of this too. And Ter Stegen can be great. But at some point, the number is going to go back to, to regular, right? They can't do this in the Liga all the time. But in the Liga, they can still because of the dearth of quality there, they can still win games. They can still get three points when they might not deserve it and the numbers don't pan out. And I think that quality too, just to go back to it and harp on it, is that that drop in quality, as I kind of put a wrap on this Kessie and Roberto thing, is not even, again, I, I want to be saying this, that it's not that Kessie was a problem here. It's that the drop-off is just too large around the margins, around the small parts of this, where, you know, I, I'll bring it up on the five headlines. So I'll just skip like two minutes here, if, if you already listen to the five headlines here. But... To me, you know, I was listening to this um, this debate about the MVP for the NBA. And because Joker and Giannis, Giannis have both won multiple MVPs already, you know, it's kind of like, where's the narrative? There's no, like, new toy to, to jump on because both of those guys are having just unbelievable seasons. Embiid, Tatum, like, you're just, there's too many great guys who deserve to be MVP of the, the league right now. And so the debate is now coming down to these fine details. And somebody was, I was listening to a podcast, and somebody was bringing up the teammate percentage from three-point off their passes. And as an argument, basically for Joker, 
that his teammates are shooting on three point on three pointers from his passes somewhere near the the, the high thirties, almost low forties. Like it's that good. He's just putting his teammates in in spots to succeed. And Giannis, his teammates are like thirty percent or lower. And so the the passes that Giannis is delivering on three point shots is just it's not helpful to his teammates in a way that Joker is setting his teammates up to succeed. And that is how I would actually explain Roberto and Kessie tonight. That there was, again, there was nothing fundamentally that they did wrong. But unlike Gabi and Pedri, they do not set their teammates up to succeed in ways that those Manchester United substitutes and, and players in depth did. I mean, it, as far as like the tactics and things like that, again, other than Xavi having his team prepared for that initial punch in the mouth that you knew that United was going to deliver in that second half, I don't know what he could have done. The formation he went with, as I said, for 45 minutes made sense and it works. And again, five players could have cleared that ball in the first goal, but they didn't. But to, ter- to Ten Hag's credit, he did have more depth. He had better healthy players. So Anthony comes on for Veghurst. Sancho goes to the left. Rashford through the middle. And all that did with Rashford through the middle is by starting in that position, Araujo was about, what was it, five to eight yards deeper than he was. And now you're playing with a deeper line to start the second half than Barcelona did in the first. So you're not starting on the front foot. You're kind of waiting for that second half to figure itself out. And you're adjusting. And when you're adjusting... You're most susceptible to, to getting scored on, and that's uh, to getting scored on, and that's exactly what happened. So Barcelona concede. Fred, you know, and fair play to him. Fred gets a lot of criticism from Manchester United fans, but he had a really good game too, opposite De Young. Like he was just good. And sometimes European opponents are good. And same thing with those little minutia where if Lewandowski scored in stoppage time, if Ferran Torres's cross is either just a bit lower or Ansu times his jump a little bit better, if Kunde has his header just a little bit farther down to the right and De Gea doesn't stop that. Like those are the small margins. People say that Ten Hag, you know, managed circles around Xavi. He didn't, but I think he utilized his depth better than Xavi did. He found better ways to make Anthony dangerous, to pin back Baldy, who was still really good in that game, dealt with Anthony. I know Anthony had the winner, but very little can be put on Baldy for just how good the youngster was in that game and something to build on here. But as you said, like I said in the five headlines again, Arnaud Tanas, Mark Casado and Pablo Torre. There were three players on that bench for Barcelona that Xavi was never going to put into that game. And that's just a reminder that it wasn't even just Dembele and Pedri and Gabi. It's that extra forward that didn't come with, that didn't replace Memphis to buy because Barcelona couldn't afford it. It's that extra midfielder that Xavi wanted when Nico Gonzalez went out on loan or Pjanic, right? It's like that just one extra player that seemed to let Barcelona down tonight. They didn't have it. United did, and Ten Hag found a way to utilize those players in better ways. So again, it's not an excuse on Xavi, but it's saying that this team, when they're not ready for European competition yet or to win a trophy, think back to Koeman, think back to those years when Barcelona were three or four players short. Now, this hurts because they're one or two players short. And as we keep saying, they're even three injuries away from from, from winning this kind of game to, to three important players. But as far as even the depth that they need to deal with those injuries... They're one or two players away or three players on that bench away. And again, Ten Hag just utilizes players better. And I think those margins in Europe, as we keep reiterating, are the difference between a win and a loss. Yeah, and I, and I think, obviously, I didn't want us to lose in order to be reminded of, like, let's let's come back to earth a little bit in that in that aspect because of what you explained. Like, we were without Pedri, Gabi, and Dembele, and all three of them are crucial and Barcelona starting 11. Then it's a trickle-down effect, like you said. Then Pedri, I mean, I mean Kessie has to play. Sergi Roberto well, has to play, or it could have been Ferran and whatnot. But then 
that it's a trickle down effect because then on the bench you got Marc Casado, you got Paulo Torre who hasn't played with. You can argue he might, he should have earned a little bit more minutes here and there and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like he's still like a youngster coming in. Uh, so I'll, I'll plug the article on barsupply.com. I wrote all about it. it. Might be a little bit his fault too, but I, again, I wrote about uh, it. It's interesting. I, I, there's a lot of people like Spanish speaking people in my chat. Like when I go, like there, it's like the I, the Ricky Push hive left for Los Angeles and the Pablo <laughs> Torre hive arrive, and they're like they're mad at Chavi for that. Like they well, remind I, me well, every single day. I did try to get their attention. I did title the article Pablo Torre, the next Ricky Poos question mark, right? So I, I, was, I, knew, I knew what I was looking for. I knew my audience. <laughs> That's good. I love it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a case that I think we do have to remind ourselves that like our starting 11 and maybe like our, tw- our 12th, 13th, 14th player, we can compete with almost everyone in Europe. And we've done it. We've done it. When we're healthy, we've competed and beat Real Madrid. So it's just a matter of reminding us that we, yes, like, for example, like Rafinha, we can talk about Rafinha and and whatnot and what we spend on him and yada, yada. And if that could have gone to other players to reinforce, like, a, a right back and whatnot. But it's good to remind us, like, taking, like, Rafinha out of the equation and his price tag and whatnot, it's good to that, that it reminds us that this squad still needs improving, that Sadly, because of the financial situation, salary lim- limit, Tebas, Bartomeu, the pandemic, how, like however you want to split the, the percentage of the culprit, we still have things that are working against us to, quote-unquote, fill that perfect squad that we want. And we got to take that into consideration because even tonight they asked Xavi about that during the, in, in the press conference. Like, hey, what, what, like, what can you do during like during the summer and whatnot? And he's like, Hey, I don't know. Like that all depends on the salary limit, but like Tewa, the La Liga can does allows us to like to, to do and whatnot. And then it, it, it's that aspect that we, I mean, we meaning Mateo, Laporta and company, we got to like hit the right button in order to like ring these free transfers, because that's like, we got to be honest. Like there's not going to be, probably a big transfer like Rafinha, Ferran, and whatnot. It's going to be free transfers. But we got to bring in the likes of Christensen's instead of the likes of Marcos Alonso's. So whoever that might be, whoever you might like, like Kante or um, Indica from Eintracht Frankfurt, whoever that might be. Like I'm just throwing random name, names out there. Whoever that might be, we, and by we, I mean Mateo and Laporta and company, that is a vital vital part of how we can strengthen our squad in order for this not to quote unquote happen next season. Like the, the free transfers that we bring in have to, at least I'm not saying that they got to be as good as the starters because that's be realistic more often than not, they're not going to be, but we want that drop of quality to not be that steep so that we're not playing against Manchester United at old Trafford with Sergio Roberto. Again, not not to this Sergio Roberto. He's a great person, but he shouldn't be playing for Barcelona as a starter in a big European night in 2023. Sure, sure. And I think too, 
that that's like the argument about the EPL and their money now compared to what Barcelona and Spanish teams have to do. I have nothing but such high praise for Real Sociedad and what they're doing this season because you look at multiple seasons now that they've had. They have an influx from their academy, and the guys that they've brought in seem to just perfectly fit with what they're trying to do. Real Betis had that string there about two or three seasons where they were making every right choice, and so and they got a European spot for that. And so for Spain and Spanish clubs in particular, there's just a small margin. Like you can't get it again, small margins. You can't get it wrong because of how little these Spanish clubs have to spend. Because even Real Madrid, they're they're basically their game plan financially, of course, is to, you know, make sure your books are pretty much even by buying really expensive young players, Vinny and and Rodrigo and but then the ones they failed on, like Rainier, and then you wind up selling those those talents, those big names. I mean, Odegaard, right? You wind up selling those names that are that are big names because they were big prospects then, and you wind up maybe even eat some costs. You either eat some costs, or those players are now really, really worth your while, right? And they're winning you trophies, and they they come good. So that's Real Madrid's strategy. That's how they wind up like not losing too much. But Barcelona can't afford. 35 million euros to fail on a 17 year old Brazilian. Like they can't get that wrong. And so that's where Barcelona is now too, as you mentioned, where it's, they have to get it right. They have to get the one or two or three players on those margins, right. In a way that just when you're in Europe, those EPL teams don't have to do, like they can get it wrong. I mean, Bayern Munich even has gotten a few wrong through these last few seasons. And, and then going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's frustrating for Barcelona because if you get it wrong and you're looking at your bench after one or two injuries, you're going to lose to an EPL side that might have two or three players up in the stands watching and collecting huge wages, and it's not that big of a deal. And it's funny you bring up Rafinha too, by the way, because I want to make sure I set the record straight on him in the post game. Over this two-leg tie, honestly, he, I felt like, made three and a half mistakes, if you will. He was arguably Barcelona's most important attacker in that first leg and why the game ended 2-2. Second leg, I had written in my notes in that first half that his defensive effort was really, really good. Something that we asked Dembele to do for years. He was helping on doubles on Rashford on the left. And one of the reasons why Rashford wasn't dangerous, Koundé did not bring his best boots tonight. And yet, because Rafinha and Koundé were still good enough. Like there there was a, a sequence in particular in the first half where Rashford skated by Koundé, Araujo, you know, barreled over, came over, and then Rashford's like, well, I'll think about it. And then he cut it back. And as he cut it back, then Koundé stepped in on the second attempt, right, and goes the other way. So it was basically Rashford and Koundé was kind of a one-for-one kind of situation. But again, a help, a big help of that was Rafinha also coming in. Rafinha was also defending inside quite a bit. Whenever Kessie would push forward, you know, because Kessie is a bit more positionally free than Pedri is. While Pedri, as I say, has a free role, Pedri positionally makes every decision correct, if that makes always sense. He's always in the right place, where Kessie is like 80% in the right place, 70% in the right place. And Rafinha was tucking in and helping defend for Kessie when he was vacating those areas. So while Rafinha was so good, you look at the first leg and the second leg, how is that goal scored by, was it, well, yeah, it was Rashford's goal, right? Or no, it was the first goal on the cross, the Rashford cross. Demolay yeah, it was a Rashford cross. Yeah, Demolay got killed on that corner. I mean, uh, sorry, Rafinha gets killed on that corner. And then here on the second goal tonight, Bruno Fernandez skates by him after Luke Shaw he get, with a heel kick back for the for the pass. And now Rafinha gets killed by Bruno Fernandez. And then two or three bumps and passes and weird balls and bounces later, then Anthony puts in the back of the net. And so Rafinha, in, and the other bad moment we'll say, because I don't offensively have no issues with him in the first leg. This leg, you go... Were there moments when he could have gone harder at Luke Shaw and he didn't? Were there moments when he could have 1v1 tried and gone, gone after him? But I'm not sure about that. Like, I think with the possession, with positioning of Roberto, who would come over to be more in the center, and then Kessie would be there and Kunde would 
as best he could against Rashford get forward. I thought that there was numerical advantages happening to good effect on the right side because Barcelona basically did the inverse tonight that they usually do. The numerical advantages happened on the right, and then they would wind up trying to kind of build something through the middle there, leaving Balde as the isolated winger. Again, why I continue to compliment Balde, because he had to kind of serve a different role and be that 1v1 winger and the left back at the same time, and he did that to good effect tonight. So I think instead of kind of poo-pooing what Rafinha did, I'm saying that he was being asked to do different things tonight, and he did those well, with the exception of that one moment when he could have defended Bruno Fernandes better. But if anything, I want to kind of substitute that as a huge compliment to just how good Balde was tonight. I I will poo-poo a little bit on Rafinha. I know he's... Yeah, uh, please do. I'm, I'm being a has, little... I'm I say being name? Last half full, you know, I get it. The, the problem I have with Rafinha, sadly, is his price tag. And he's not yeah. at fault for that. That's not... Again, that's not his fault whatsoever. It's Barcelona's fault. We pay what we paid for him to Leeds. But for a player, if you want to... like, I don't, I don't know what the end transfer fee will end up being. 50, 60, 70, whatever that may be. When you buy a player for that amount, 50, 60, 70, in Barcelona's financial circumstances, it's like what we were talking about earlier. Like, if you're going to splash the big cash, you better splash that cash on a player that is going to be a difference maker. And I do completely agree with everything you said about Rafinha on the defensive side as a, as a winger. He definitely helps out a lot, and that is really important, and I do applaud him for that. But offensively, and then I know like some people could bring out like his stats like goals and assists and whatnot but what i do it what i expect from a winger like a barcelona winger is someone that hey i'm gonna give you the ball and you create something out of nothing and i do i don't think rafinha for the most part does that he yeah yeah he's like he's a like he he's a great crosser in a way like i think like those crosses for, uh, to the second post are deadly in my opinion and he's like some when he's on like he has some like nice through balls to that space near the foot, the, the, the near post and whatnot, but like one-on-one, like I think I may be a little bit exaggerating. I don't know if like the, the, I was going to say the chat. I I think I'm always live like in the comment section, but I think Balde is better than him. One-on-one like going by people. I think even Balde is better at that. Like every time that I see Rafinha, I don't get the feeling that he's going to go by a player. And then that creates, obviously, like, you got to rotate and whatnot. I, I just don't, like, see him in that aspect. And that it, it, it worries me because if we pay that amount, like, I, I want to see something like like a, a Dembele, a Vinicius. I know, like, they're, like, what, top two wingers in the world. I get that. But I'm not talking about, like, them per se and their, like, their end product, what they've done. But that kind of player. And I know that United paid, what, like, 100 for Anthony and he hasn't done anything whatsoever. I mean, I know he scored now, but so what what I ask of a winger and I, I just to me, it's it's frustrating because I just like see him like passing the ball backwards to the middle. Like if I see a winger, even Ansu, obviously not now because he's not right as much as it pains me to admit it. But when I see a winger, what I expect from him is like, dude, like do something, dribble past your like your the, the left back the right back, create something. And I just don't see that enough from Rafinha. And that's why it worries me in a way because of his price tag. Because if we had paid 20, 30 for him, then it's, it is what it is. I, it wouldn't worry me. But given our financial situation that we just can't miss on our big spending, it worries me that we paid that much of an amount for him. And then we do know that 
come summertime, tough decisions are going to have to be made regarding some players, whether we like it or not. Before it was like, oh, Frankie the Young, like it doesn't look like Frankie, and I'm glad it's going anywhere, and I'm glad that he he's staying. But I think the tough decision is going to be up top, and if we, if we, if you like, what do you do? Like, yo, well, you were talking about the Real Madrid earlier. Like, sometimes do you cut your losses? Like, if somebody comes in with fifty, what do you do? I think you're gonna like take their hand away and like say goodbye to Rafinha. Like just put it in out there in a way that that's what worries me given that context of how much we spent on Rafinha or a guy like Ferran and whatnot that whether we like it or not, given this circumstances, if we want to like, uh, what do upgrade other positions that we know we do have to upgrade right back defensive midfielder, there's going to be, Like we're gonna have to make tough decisions come some come summertime, and I want everyone to like be wary of that. Yeah, I mean it's it's much more fortunate because the irony about the Rafinha stuff is that in the Liga he has more goal contributions since this World Cup break than anybody else in, in at Barcelona. Like he's been as as much as the eye test again him in one v one dribbling situations has let people down. He continues in even again in the first leg he continues to find ways to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, either through an assist or a goal. So it's like, what are we asking for our wingers and our or our forwards? Are you asking for the final product? It's 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 honestly the same thing as Ferran Torres in the latter half of last season. He got the same criticism he did he, he's getting this year, but he was contributing goals and assists last season, six and six, as opposed to this year where people are criticizing him and he's not contributing the same. But because Ansu is also not contributing anything, then those two kind of get clumped together. And if anything, I think Ferran Torres also very brave of him to be honest about the the things that he's gone through mentally and getting a, getting a psychiatrist and getting help in that way, I think is also for good reason. I think people are attacking him a little less this year than he, than they did last year, which I, I think, again, we have to just consider them as humans. But once I think people are a little more empathetic to understanding, Hey, this is guys are not in the, in the spot to attack. And the same thing with Ansu. It's like, I always say he's 20 years old. Like, Everybody relax. And I always find it very notable that basically the only people attacking Ansu are also 18, 19, 20-year-olds who feel like the world is on their shoulders, right? Like those are the other people who are attacking Ansu. Any, anyone over the age of 30 or, or 25 or whatever, if you're attacking Ansu Fati, like, look in the mirror and get yourself a new life. You know, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Just re relax. But yeah, as we kind of put the, not to say nail in the coffin, I, I know that I feel like there's so many more things to say, but also there isn't because I continue to kind of go down to this game being about just the, how the ball bounced, passing that wasn't enough quality, Barcelona not having enough quality, Xavi getting it right, but also getting it wrong, where, you know, not having the depth that he needed, but also having Ten Hag, you know, kind of take advantage of, or get the most, the most out of his wingers, get the most out of those subs to change the game. And when it, when he, if you want to call that outmaneuvering or not. The last little fun thing here I want to do is the fact that, I don't know, when we're talking about reputation, Barcelona has now built a reputation in Europe that they're going to bottle it, that they're going to they're going to choke. And, you know, Liverpool, even though they won that one Champions League, like they still have the same reputation. They did it against Real Madrid. Yes, it feels like a year ago, but yesterday. But I also find like, I don't know about you, but I watched it with English commentary, with an English pundit. And I don't mean to go off on this, but it's just so odd to me that especially Manchester United in, in, in the UK, that it's seen as this powerful glorified club this powerhouse of a club with all of this this reputation and glitz and glamour and then barcelona isn't talked 
how do I say this? Manchester United in their down periods are talked about as if they're in their up periods, right? They're talked about the same glory that they, as if this is the, the class of 92. But when Barcelona now, I feel like over the last few seasons are now in another one of their down periods, they're spoken about as if, well, they're, we're expecting the concept of Tiki Taka. We're expecting Messi and Iniesta and Xavi out there. But also this Barcelona is not the same Barcelona from then. This Barcelona is now like this weekend darker version and, and, and not up to snuff. And even to the point with this fouls, like both teams in that first half were falling over as if there was like a mighty wind. Just everybody, Rashford and Luke Shaw and Araujo, Lewandowski, Balde, Kessie, Beghurst, all of them, just like big, strong men. <laughs> EPL, Liga, I don't care. They're all falling around. And it was just so frustrating because I'm now like looking at this discourse and it's like, oh, Barcelona and Spanish clubs are always soft in Europe and flopping around. EPL teams, of course, they're stronger, they're faster physically, da 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 And I feel like this is a thing that's just that keeps perpetuating. And because Barcelona lost this match, it happened, but it's like, I, I don't know. It's just to me it's 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 hypocrisy to the one hundredth degree. We could you could even not talk about this. We can end the show if you want. No, <laughs> I, no, no. The thing is I I I didn't even listen to the game like because of what I have like to the end of the Spanish. Yeah. And I have like I loved Risto Stoichkov as a player, but as a commentator, I legit I can't hear him because everything that he says, he he's critiquing like he never did anything wrong. So every time he's like correcting, oh no, Xavi's getting this wrong because of this, this, and that. Oh, Sergi Roberto, this, this, and that. Lewandowski, you see, as a forward, you had to control the ball with your left foot and da da da. It's like, so like, I get it to a point, but at the end of the day, like, you did a lot of mistakes as well. well so, like, wait, he wait, speaks- wait, I was going to jump in. In his defense, and I've read this <clears> in the past many times. If you go back to how Cruyff and Stoichkov and their relationship being what it was, he did this when he was a player. There are games where he's on the field doing that to his teammates and doing it to Cruyff. He, he, he did this then, he does it now. And you know what? Right. You know, I, he's a legend. And so I, it's endearing he, for us, but I totally get it as a comment. Yeah, I get it. I legit, I got to listen to, like, I, I, I listen to the game, like, I think five in volume. So that every time, like, I could hear, like, a little bit of, like, background sound and whatnot, but I, I just can't with Risto. Like, I'm sorry. But to go back to that, I, I think it's like it's just like topics that tend to get like repeated over and over and over, and because yeah. they get repeated over and over and over, people tend to take them as like the the, the truth and whatnot. So I, I whatever I I don't listen to it, and it's like you see that honestly, like every time, like I I know like we tend to not us technically, but like like one we get to like emphasize more like when a player does something bad and whatnot and when a player is constantly constantly good and i think that that happened with messi all the time like we had our bar so high up that for order to us be like in awe with messi he had to do something so so crazy and when he was just simply good which was better than everyone else still we just like took that for granted like Araujo, like there were two plays that he just manhandled Rashford and like put him to the ground, like just put his bag or his shoulder. And, and to me, <laughs> it was so crazy to watch like what you said earlier, like literally like the the best player in, in the world since the World Cup in four. And the way Araujo manhandled him on two separate occasions, just like he was just fed up with him, like, he was like, I know you're playing well and whatnot. And just like threw him to the ground, like without following him. And it was like, damn, like Araujo, like 
it's just crazy to, to think that we have what a top three, five center back in the world to me. You could argue he's maybe the best center back in the world right now. And I don't know. I just, I just wanted to end on a positive note that for everyone, like we got legit, like a top three center back in the world. Like if injuries permit, like we're going to enjoy Araujo, his speed, his strength, everything. Like, it's just like, if you put Puyol in a lab, like Wolverine and like created like a faster, stronger version, taller version, like we have Araujo. So I don't know. I'm just in, in love with Araujo and just wanted to, to end on a, on a positive note uh, once again in the, in this podcast. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's the, the joke you always hear that if Pedri Gonzalez was Peter John, he'd be worth 300 million euros. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's true. I mean, it's a good thing. I think and I do see this too, especially for my friends who follow the EPL that Araujo is this best kept seat. Like people are like, Oh, he's coming up next. But fortunately for Kules, like we know that he's already here. Right. Yeah, exactly. And actually for Real Madrid fans, like, to their credit. They know. They, they know. They also get the same thing with Militao. That Militao yesterday, you heard everyone like, oh my gosh, he's finally arrived. And it's like, no, Militao was good last year too. And he's been good this year. Like he was arguably their best center back even more than D David Alaba uh, last season. And yet they don't know that because they're like, oh, Alaba, Bayern Munich, one chip, right? So it does take multiple years for things to change. And for Barcelona being that Balde, again, looking at the best players in this game, uh, De Jong and Balde and not having Pedri and Gabi and Demolé trying to change his reputation. A lot of the reputation for Barcelona players are still in the up and up. You know, they don't know about Araujo. And even, even Koundé. Koundé is playing for Sevilla. Like, ask, a, ask a, a Burnley, well, they're in the championship, but ask a Wolves fan how many Sevilla matches they watched in the last three years. Koundé, it's unfortunate because Koundé has been poor in Europe. So I think he, if anything, his stock has gone down because of two matches. Where we, Koundé, I think it's almost shocking how poor he was over these two legs. And I think him being a center back, I talked, we talked about last week about him being a center back again, in the first leg was part of that. But even in this match, like he wasn't his best. And it, and it wasn't even that he did poorly because it was Rashford. Like he was making mistakes with the ball. It was just, it was a weird, a weird tie for him. I don't know what it is, but you know, just hope he figures it back out. And we're not having some argument about center back, right back role things, but certainly we will have those arguments, Rafa, and you will be a part of them in the future. But yeah, I think that'll wrap it up. Uh, I'll give you the final word here. I guess you already left us on plenty of positive notes, but how about one more? No, again, look at the glass half full. Sadly, yeah, we're out of the Europa League, but hey, we're still top of the league. We got a point, a cushion big enough that hopefully we either maintain or extend because, yeah, like Real Madrid, they look great, but Liverpool are trash. They've, they've been trash this season. So to me, it didn't surprise me whatsoever. Again, Madrid have a few tough games coming up like they got a the derby de madrid this this weekend so if even atletico come up with a draw we might be able to go up 10 points and then when we're talking about this on monday thursday's game against united doesn't seem as bad we also got them next thursday first leg of the copa del rey final so the competitions that we are invested in 100 which is the league which is the copa del rey we're in the semifinals we're still in them This was the round of 32 in the Europa League. For us to get to the finals, we still needed to go through six more games. So, hey, let's focus on what we have in front of us, which is really, really good. And then let's cross our fingers that injuries respect us. Gabi, uh, Pedri comes back rather quickly. Dembele comes back. And then, hey, we're still good. Hey, 
we're still good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I hope that people continue listening and you know chugging on. I, I feel like after Champions League knockout that. You know, I think Europe was kind of done, like the the dream of Europe. You know, and I think. That- and I say this again, one more thing. Like I was having this discussion in a in a WhatsApp chat, and one of the one of the my friends in the in the chat is a Sevilla fan. So obviously, he takes Europe League like, really seriously, and he was so happy that they were playing and whatnot. And like, it, it was a little bit condescending, but like the Real Madrid and Barcelona fans of the chat, it's like the big big teams, more often than not. And the fans, and, and I want to say, like, the fans more, they don't take the Europa League seriously. Unless, obviously, you get to a semifinal and final, then, obviously, you want to win it. But when you're in these earlier stages, you you see this as a hassle. Like, oh, my God, we got to play this. Injuries, fatigue, and whatnot. And it was funny because he was so excited that they won against PSV in the first leg. And I'm like, you do know that you got six more games. And, obviously, hopefully nothing happens. But if your players get injured... You're battling for relegation, so this is full. This could end up being mm-hmm. fool's gold in a way. So what I'm trying to say is that at the end of the day, for big teams with big history, this is like playing these types of rounds. It's more of a hassle than anything else. So mm-hmm. let's keep that in mind again. That yes, the players obviously they don't want to lose, but it's still a little bit of a hassle and. That's out of the way. Yeah. At the earliest stage possible. We don't got to go next round, round of 16, play against an Arsenal, battle injuries and fatigue, lose, and then we're like, oh, we beat United for what? So, again, let's look at the glass half full. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. No, nothing to add. So, that'll wrap up. Follow him down in the comments below. Uh, Alden Louis Football, pretty much everywhere. You can find him on social media. The Barcelona podcast of some variation everywhere for us as well. Again, barcelblog.com is officially updated. I'm still tweaking some of the other stuff, but new format, a lot more articles, a lot more content I've been writing, trying to see if people are enjoying that. If you do enjoy those articles and want some different topics and more out of that, let me know about that. Uh, in the meantime, again, if you're a Patreon and choose to support the show through Patreon, Basically, if you ask for it, you know, I'll write about it. Or if you have a topic that you want me to consider, because yesterday I did do a podcast. Again, this will come out on Friday. So it's Thursday now. We're recording this after the game. But I did on Wednesday. That was delayed about the Barca Residency, uh, Residency Academy. So again, I want to remind you to go back to that. You know, you don't have to read it. You can listen to it. You can process everything and then go back to that one's pretty much evergreen. So even if you have that in your queued up list, go back to it next week or whenever you have time in the midweek. To, to, to listen all about that. That's about Tuna Rajo and the Barca Residency Academy because, again, Barcelona do have their, you know, their fingerprints on a lot of different things around the world. So it was interesting to hear a different thing about uh, FC Barcelona. So most importantly, no, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.